Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. Well, hello there, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Delighted to be with you today talking about a really important topic, looking at the importance and role of occupational therapy. Carol is the Senior Vice President of Social Responsibility and Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She was 2022 San Antonio Business Journal Nonprofit and Corporate Philanthropy Executive of the Year, the 2021 Top 50 Corporate Social Responsibility Leaders National Diversity and Leadership Conference attendee, one of the top 50 influencers in aging from Next Avenue, the digital journalism arm of the PBS system. And she has a master's in social gerontology from the University of the Incarnate Word. And Carol Zernil, it is great to see you. Well, it is great to be here. Thank you for that very generous introduction. <laughs> well, I could have gone on, but we don't have a whole lot of time. That's right. You got to cut it off somewhere. <laughs> now, we're taking up a topic that uh, I know is near and dear to the heart of a whole lot of folks, young and old, uh, the question of occupational therapy versus uh, other kinds of therapy, like physical therapy. Uh, have you had any experience in that field as a patient? Well, you know, I thought, how timely is this? I just had knee surgery last week, and I'm, you know, I've always been a huge believer in occupational therapy, physical therapy, you know, those things that are in the background but make the big difference. So I'm thrilled that our own Dr. Andrew Morgan can join us today to talk about it. Well, we'll take a moment and introduce uh, Dr. Morgan. He's been on before and we love having him on as a guest. Uh, Dr. Morgan is a physical therapist, nearly 20 years clinical experience, earned his master's and doctorate degrees in physical therapy from UT Health in 2002 and 2013. Andrew's been working for Home Care Dimensions as the Director of Therapy Services and Alternate Administrator since 2017. Prior to COVID, he was a regular speaker at WellMed Senior Centers, where he discussed topics such as falls prevention and the role exercise plays in living an active lifestyle. Andrew is a passionate person about fitness for seniors, affectionately refers to patients as geriatric athletes, and he was a big winner on one of the Food Network programs, uh, <laughs> Chefs or Cons. He passed himself off as a chef, and Andrew Morgan, you won. I, I did do that. I did win. Um, um, that was a, uh, it seems almost like a lifetime ago, several several years, uh, but that was, that was a very fun experience. Uh, um, getting to be on the Food Network, uh, you know, how many people get to do that, just a neat bucket list item, and and then and winning, what, winning was also cool. So you passed yourself off as a real chef. Well, the idea is you have two, you, when, that, when that show was on, you had two <laughs> professionals, and there were two amateurs, and your identities were kept secret, so that the judging was based strictly on the food, so... Um, I would say even more than passing myself off as a chef, what I really did was I beat the two professional chefs at their own game. So. Wow. And you made what, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? What did you do? Um, 
so I, I made a duck breast quesadilla in uh, the first round. And then, then in the second round, um, I did a fried chicken lollipop, uh, sort of reinvented the, the traditional buffalo chicken wing. Wow. wow. Now, see, I have heard, I have heard of, of Dr. Morgan's prowess as a chef. It does. <laughs> so I don't know. That's hey, pretty cool. Amateur. Once you won a competition, don't you go pro after that? Uh, I mean, I, I did own a food truck for, for a period of time. Um, so I, but that was, that was all, uh, that was all after uh, I, I did the food network. So let's switch to what you do for your day job. And that's dealing with physical and occupational therapy. And let's start with the 411. What are they? And what are the differences between physical therapy, occupational therapy? So I would say the bit, the, the broadest difference between PT and OT is really um, uh, the o OT and the emphasis on um, activities of daily living, or as they call them, or we call them ADLs, um, and then instrumental activities of daily living, IADLs. So if you think about ADLs, you're, it's everyday things, bathing, grooming, cooking, um, and then instrumental ADLs would be things, you know, like going to, to, to religious services and some of the stuff that, 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 that not everybody uh, may be doing driving, um, not stuff that, that is happening just on, a, on an everyday basis, not necessarily everyone is doing it. So um, um, that's really where the OT uh, focus is. Um, PT, we generally are looking at uh, big gross motor activities um, uh, things like uh, ambulation or gait, uh, transferring, um, um, uh, balance, uh, OTs. And, I, and I, you know, the reason I, I have a lot of pauses here, there's a lot of crossover between PT and OT. There are plenty of times that, that I've been in, in areas, especially going out into the rural areas, seeing patients at their homes, where I've been the one focusing on ADLs because uh, uh, there's no OT available. And, you know, there could be times that, that OTs focusing, uh, you know, on areas that people might say, oh, no, that's the PT area. The way I really view it is, is these are all paid, you know, we, we look at patient centered problems. And, um, you know, that, that's what we're really all focusing on. I think we need to, you know, more get out of our silos, stop looking at the differences and really looking at the similarities of our professions and where, where, where uh, we have that crossover. Let's hold you in your silo for a moment while I let folks know who <laughs> may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and our special guest, Dr. Andrew Morgan, a doctorate in physical therapy. And we're talking about occupational therapy as well as uh, the kind of personal physical therapy that folks may go through. And off the air, you were talking uh, with Carol, who, who mentioned just a few minutes ago that she recently had uh, knee surgery uh, and is uh, going through some home physical therapy steps. And you laughed and said, oh, yeah, I know a lot about that. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've been through my own uh, uh, knee problems. Um, um, I've uh, uh, torn my my meniscus. I've had that. Well, mine was non-repairable, so they just had to remove the part of it that was torn. And then, uh, you know, about uh, roughly twenty years later, I tore it again, and so I had a little bit more of it removed. Um, and even you know, when I when I went to physical therapy school, I really was fascinated, interested in the knee, and 
the more that I've learned about the knee, uh, I've come to believe that, that, you know, really most knee problems are really hip problems. Um, and, 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 uh, it goes back to, you know, it's one chain. There's that old song from, I don't know, the 50s or 60s, the knee bones connected to the leg bone. The whole thing is connected. So you can't really alter one without messing with, with another. Now, for those who don't know, what, what is the meniscus? Sorry, Carol. Meniscus is um, a, a piece of cartilage that's um, both on the inside and the outside. When I'm saying the inside, we use the term in, in the therapy world, the medial side. So that, that's like the inside, think of where your groin is. And then the lateral is on the outside. Um, so if you start more down at your hip, work your way down to your knee, feel the outside of your knee. So you have one of those on each side. It provides cushioning uh, between um, your femur, which is that long thigh bone and your tibia, which is your shin bone. So anytime you're doing any sort of walking, running, jumping, it provides cushioning. Very, very, and cushioning is very important. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to do high impact stuff like running, yes, cushioning yes, can be very yes, important. Well, I wanted to go back to what you were talking about with the, with the hip and the knee, you know, thinking about family caregivers and thinking about um, sort of the aches and pains and things that they deal with. So let's say if someone has, um, has had weight issues, uh, balance issues, you know, there, there, there might be a, a hip, you know, something, especially like with weight uh, can, can cause hip and knee issues, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, if your body's having to carry around more weight, then it's having to do more work. So, you know, we, we start getting into, you know, things like arthritis, um, which many of the listeners, uh, viewers may, may uh, be familiar with. Um, um, you're talking about, you know, uh, an overuse injury or a repetitive stress injury when that arthritis starts to become symptomatic and weight is just going to, I would say, speed up that deterioration. So if you were working with, a, if, if a caregiver has someone at home that has a lot of arthritis, um, are there things that they can do just in their own home to help that person to, to have better mobility? So the very first part of it is you got to start with some mobility. Um, you know, aging is not your enemy. Aging is a number. The enemy is inactivity. So just starting with getting active um, you know, that's the very, that's the very first part. Um, um, I am a big believer in squats. Um, uh, squats are not a knee exercise. Squats are a hip exercise. So, you know, squatting is a normal, natural thing that we see throughout the lifespan. And, uh, you know, your, your glutes, which is your, uh, well, that's your backside. Um, um, a lot of my patients like to refer to them as their sitting muscle, but that's not really what they're designed for. They're designed to be able to get you up out of a chair, um, um, and, and help, you know, help with your balance and keep you moving. And you say squats, it's what you do naturally when you sit down, uh, is there a way as Carol is asking, uh, with that, whatever that level of mobility is to build up endurance, to build up core strength. Yep. And, and, and starting with this, that, that's a common exercise. Those are, those, that's a functional exercise. Get up and down from a chair. 
a lot of our pay, you know, a lot of my patients don't think of that as an exercise, but let's, you know, that that's an easy thing to start with getting up and down from the chair. The key thing is when you're doing that, getting down into the chair is it needs to be controlled. Um, we, we not, not doing the flop, um, um, actually controlling, slowing yourself down, not just letting gravity do all of the work. Because? Well, you can risk falls, number one. Um, that's probably the biggest warning. But number two, um, you know, if you're just letting gravity do the work, there's really no strengthening that's happening there. You can get more out of an exercise from the lowering part of it. So if I'm trying to go from standing to sitting, I can get more out of that as I slow myself down um, than I would trying to get myself up. So that's good advice. We could come back for a little bit more with Dr. Andrew Morgan. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernial, our co-host. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. talking about physical and occupational therapy and what role that plays in our lives. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Our special guest, Dr. Andrew Morgan. He's a physical therapist and executive with an organization that provides home health care, home care dimensions. And our topic has taken us to the point of squats, up, down, up, down, up, down. And Carol Zerniel, you had a follow-up for Andrew. Well, before the break, we were talking about the importance of, you know, just getting up, sitting in a chair and standing up. Um, in our falls testing or falls prevention classes, we do a timed get up and go. Mm-hmm. So what's that's the opposite. What's the importance of getting up out of the chair and starting to walk? Well, you, 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 it, when you read my bio, you said why I affectionately refer to my, my uh, geriatric patients as athletes. Um, I'll put this in context for all the listeners. I believe that all of our geriatric patients are athletes, and even the ones that are not my patients, I still believe they're athletes. What's happened is their sporting event has changed, where they might have been playing basketball or um, you know, running track before. Getting to the bathroom now has become a sporting event. So if you really think about it, you've got to get up from the chair, you've got to walk, ideally not fall, and make it to the bathroom. And we never know when that, that, that urgency is going to happen. It could be at two o'clock in the morning, and the goal is to get there, we'll just say, on time. So that's when the getting up becomes really important. You've got to have that power, and that power should come from the hip muscles um, the, 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 again, the glutes, the gluteus maximus, um, uh, but that, that's the, that's what some of, some people, you know, may call your backside, your buttocks, your, your keister, however you want to call it. 
Um, but that's where that power muscle is. And that's what it's designed to do is to do things like getting you up from a chair so that you can make it to the bathroom. And for folks on a diuretic, a, a, a water pill, <laughs> that athletic event can be extremely repetitive. Well, and, and we run into a lot of issues um, with medication adherence, with, and especially with patients that are on those diuretics. They don't like to take the diuretics because it makes them go to the bathroom. So as a therapist, as a person who is viewing patients as athletes, well, if I'm going to do any sort of a sporting event, I have to train for it. So why not train for the fact that, okay, I'm taking this water pill. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom at least eight times during the day. Why not make it easier? So build those muscles up so that you can, you can make that task a whole lot easier. Well, a lot of people, it's, or I shouldn't say, it's not uncommon for people to fall. Uh, about 30% of people over the age of 60 are going to fall every year. It, it's higher than most people realize. What is the role of PT or OT if someone falls and breaks a hip? It used to be stay in bed and rest. Um, I think that has changed now. And Just what a little. Is the role of the PT uh, in that scenario? So PT and OT are going to play going to play quite a big role in that recovery. Now, I'm going to say just on a side note, I'd much rather we get called out before the fall happens and uh, current trends are changing that. I mean, if you liken it to getting a colonoscopy after you've already been diagnosed with cancer, that's that's calling therapy out after you've had the fall. Like there are things that we can do now where we'll know, like doing that timed up and go, you know, if you're not going at a certain speed, we know that well. We, we know that that test has very strong predictive value that you're likely to fall. But if the fall has happened and you're recovering from something like a fractured hip, OT is going to come in, again, focusing on those ADLs, looking at adaptive equipment, um, helping with, you know, again, the activities of daily living, reteaching you how to, how, to, how to dress, how to bathe, getting in and out of the bathtub safely with whatever modifications the surgeon may place. And PT is going to be really working on a lot of strengthening. Um, and then, you know, again, as, as that weight bearing progresses, working you through different assistive devices, whether it's a walker, cane, crutches, um, and then possibly on to, to independence. You know, it's simple when you think about let's get in and out of bed. You don't really think about it. Uh, but several years ago, uh, I was your patient in a video for WellMed on getting in and out of a bed. Uh, and for folks with hip and knee problems, uh, it can be very difficult. You know, it, it's funny you say that. My, my mom, several years ago, had to have uh, abdominal surgery. So not even something you would think of, like, I mean, she was having something with her GI uh, system. And, well, what's happened is they've cut through the abdominal muscles. And my mom called me. Uh, she was living in New Jersey at the time. I was here in Texas. And she said, Andrew, I can walk around the house. I can get up and down from a chair, but I can't get out of bed. What do I do? How do I get out of bed? So I had to talk her through how to get out of bed while on the phone, um, you know, whatever, 3,000 miles away from her. Uh, you know, what did so, you tell her? Uh, well, I said, 
roll on your side. I said, you know, said, you know, think you put your knees and your hips together or your knees, your hips and your shoulders, um, all, all lined up, have your knees up. I told her roll onto her side as one unit. And then I said, drop your feet off of the bed and use your elbow to push up as your feet go off. Think of it like a, like a seesaw teeter totter. It's physics work smarter, not harder. Use the weight of your legs to help lift up the top half of your body. And she was able to do that. So, wow. Well, and, and those kind of tricks are really important. If I'm a family caregiver, you know, it is the physical activities. It's me helping somebody else lift, twist, all of those in and out of the tub, in and out of bed. That's what wears a caregiver out. And, and then so the caregiver I, becomes my patient. <laughs> right. And And so if I can work with, you know, PT to help strengthen the person I'm caring for and have them do more of the work, that's going to take some of that fatigue and stress off me. Yeah. And Andrew, oh, I, I'm going to say, Andrew, as you answer that, there must be uh, suggestions for how the caregiver can be more effective in moving someone and lifting someone. Well, the very first thing, I mean, I'll just, I'll just be honest. Like, I'm lazy. I don't want to do all of the work for my patient. I want the patient to do the work. I got enough work to do for myself. So uh, when I'm working with patients, I tell patients from the very beginning, this is a team effort. It's 90% you and just 10% me. The same thing is with the caregiver. What I see with caregivers, you know, they've got, they've got a passion. They're taking care of a loved one. They want to jump in and help. And they tend to do it too soon. I, to, I, when I'm working, you know, with a family unit, um, so the caregiver and the, my patient, let, let mom, let dad do as much as he or she can before you come in and just start helping. Because really, when we, when we help too soon, what we're really doing is setting that patient back even further, because then the patient really becomes dependent on what it is that we're going to do. And, and, and we see that learned helplessness in skilled nursing facilities sometimes where well-intentioned staff or it may be easier to just help the patient do it or do it for the patient than it is to take the time to have the patient develop a resident to develop that strength. Well, and, and I just I think you're taking away from the patient when 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 we do that, um, you know, I just. We're, we're, we're taken away from them and we're, we're hindering really their progress. Um, and in and, and our, and our efforts to help, what we're really doing is making that person become more dependent um, than making them more independent. Well, well, let me ask your opinion on one last thing. When I started uh, 30 years ago, uh, people who had Alzheimer's or dementia were not offered rehab. They were not offered physical therapy because they weren't going to get better. Every once in a while, we'll run across a family who's dealing with a facility that refuses to um, provide those kind of services or prescribe those kind of services because the person's not going to get better. What would you say about someone who has memory loss or dementia that maybe has broken a hip, maybe has been in the hospital? What's the role? Is there a role for PT uh, for someone who has dementia? There's certainly, I mean, there's a, everything's, everything's on a case by case basis, but largely I'm going to say yes, because, you know, we're, we're looking at the brain, the neurological system versus 
you know, the, the bones and the muscles, the musculoskeletal system. Um, the brain is ultimately going to be in charge, but that doesn't mean you can't still build strength. I've had, I've had plenty of patients and I've got family members that have some cognitive issues, but they can still build strength. The body can still physically get stronger. Um, you know, where, where I would say the biggest challenge you mentioned breaking a hip, the biggest challenge there becomes when you have those weight bearing restrictions, okay, you're not allowed to put any weight on it. That's where the cognitive, um, you know, the cognitive deficits can really be challenging, um, you know, because you, ha you, you, you can't put that weight on the leg, but the person is going to forget, um, um, you know, but that's not something I haven't seen or had to work through before. Andrew, we got about 30 seconds left. Uh, does it make sense to do the kind of assessment you're talking about uh, before the fall, before the accident? <laughs> Will you go into a family and, and take a look at their pay, at their uh, care recipient? Uh, yes. I'll, I'll give you the brief. Yes. It always pays to, to, to assess before the fall. All right. Dr. Andrew Morgan, thank you so much for being with us uh, today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Learned a lot. Occupational physical therapy, and a whole lot more. For our co-host, Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Talk with you soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Mark.